Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Freaking fired up about that. I'm so stoked about this book. Uh, let me give you a little update. Uh, I don't know if you were here back in 2019, but uh, in October of 2019, uh, we installed some video equipment in the back of the auditorium because we had this idea uh, to do live stream, right? So we wanted to make the video, if, if maybe you were traveling or you were on vacation or something, we wanted to make the video accessible to people. And uh, talk about good timing uh, because in February, we were all video. And so, so uh, we had a couple of months uh, together to try to figure that out. But I started something. And listen, as, as the back, as you guys turn out the lights, I want to be able to look at our scripture today. So turn the house lights on. Um, I got to admit something to you. I don't want you to judge me, okay? I know you're going to look down on me and think worse of me because I did this. But I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. Somehow this, this video thing has affected me. And I'm not proud of it. And I trust that it's not going to leave this room or it's not going to leave the internet. And so <clears throat> listen to what happened. When, when we started doing video... I realized that I needed to write down the clothes that I wear each week. Because the last thing I want to do is wear the same clothes every week. Because before we had video, it didn't matter. You guys didn't remember. I for sure didn't remember what I don't even remember what I wore yesterday. I didn't remember what I wore last Sunday, but YouTube has this thing where all of the videos are side by side. And the last thing I want somebody to do is to go on our YouTube channel and be like, why does the guy keep wearing the same shirt? Like, does he not know? Does he not have any other shirts? And I started to get conscious about it. Can you believe that? And so to this day, I have a notebook in my closet with four columns on it. Number one column is the date. Number two column is labeled pants. Number three column is labeled shirt. Number four column is labeled sneakers. And so like I write down every week, I write down the clothes. I can feel the judging eyes on me right now. Like what a diva. Uh, I can feel this because I was like, the, I mean, I, don't, I was telling Elizabeth, I was like, I can't wear the same clothes over and over again. Elizabeth in her special gift, she said, yeah, the last thing you want to do is let people know you wear clothes more than once, right? That would be terrible. And uh, so she's, she likes to humble me and she's good at it. And so I received that from my wife and, uh, but I don't know what it was. Like, I just, I was like, nah, I can't, like, I can tell you, I can go back and look in my journal and tell you the last time I wore this shirt. And it was a long time ago because I don't want to be on repeat. So then, like, it started to, to, to spiral because the production team was like, hey, you need to make sure that you watch yourself on video just to make sure that it's the quality's there and it's, it's the way you want it. And so I don't have Facebook, so I jumped on Facebook and uh, on somebody else's account, and I was watching it. And then, you know this, if you have Facebook, uh, on Facebook and YouTube, you can interact with the video. And on YouTube, it's either thumbs up or thumbs down, or there's a comment section underneath, and you can write whatever you want to. But on, on Facebook... The emojis have taken over Facebook. Not only can you give it a thumbs up and a thumbs down, but you can give it a heart. You can give it a laughing, crying face. You can give it an angry face. Uh, and, and so I began to look at Facebook, and, and the first thing that I looked at is in the corner of all the videos are all these stacks of emojis. 
And I began to, to look at them. I was like, okay, there's some thumbs up. And, and then I saw some that were laughing. And I was like, I asked them, I was like, can you tell when they were laughing in the video? Like, can you tell? Because like some sermons, I don't remember what I said. I don't remember saying anything funny. And so I started thinking, are they laughing with me? Are they laughing at me? I'll rewind to the beginning of the video. I was like, is my zipper unzipped? And everybody's like, laugh, 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 laugh. I can't believe his zipper's unzipped. Like, that's terrible. Like, I, I'm nervous about that. And then, and then like some people, I, I, I logged on one day and I looked and someone put an angry face. And I started thinking about it. I was like, I don't think I said anything controversial. Like, did I accidentally say, turn to the book of Matthew, but I meant to say, turn to the book of Luke? Or did I accidentally say a cuss word and I didn't realize it and my staff's too scared to tell me? Or like, what is going on? Like, why would somebody put an angry face? And so I then did what any normal person would do. I asked Elizabeth, I said, can you tell me who put the angry face? Is their name beside it? Because I got something for them. I'm going to reach out to them. I got a certain set of skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I will find you. And I will make you like this video. <laughs> Is it bad that I was on YouTube last night and I looked on it and, and, and it, it can, it'll like rate your videos based on the views? We have a video on there that has almost a thousand views directly next to a video that only has 13 views. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, why does this only have 13 views? Is this a bad sermon? And so... I looked it up and listened to it again. Number one, to put another view on there. Hello. Um, so, so that one's at 14 views now. But then I was like, I didn't think that was a bad sermon. How does this one get 986 and this one has 14 now? I don't understand that. Like, I don't understand why, why people didn't like that. And so, like, it began to hit me. I was like, why do I care what people think so much? I am at the point in my life where I'm a grown man keeping a journal of my clothes. <laughs> like I'm on Facebook trying to Google, how do you find out who gave you the thumbs down on YouTube? Like how can I figure out who they are so that I can call them and reach out to them? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. And so I began to think about that. And, and I don't know if you struggle with that, like what people think about you or, or uh, I want to ask you some questions actually. So that may not be, you may not have a YouTube, you may not be online. Uh, so I want to ask you some questions to figure out uh, actually if, if you have this, this fear of man, right? this fear of what people think about you and uh, their opinion of you and um, you want to be accepted and loved by people. So here's a few questions. Uh, first one is this, like, have you ever struggled with peer pressure? Like, are you, are you easily influenced by the people that are around you? Number two, are you overcommitted? Like, do you realize right now you are spread so thin? And here's how that's connected. Because uh, for some people that are overcommitted, here's the next question. Do you find it hard to say no, even though you know you should say no, but you don't want to disappoint the person? And so knowing that you shouldn't add it to your calendar, knowing that you shouldn't have it on your schedule, what matters the most is that that person is not disappointed in you and that person is not frustrated with you, so you will say yes. Do you need things from people around you? Now, I'm not talking about want. I'm talking about need. Like when you're at work, do you need for your boss to tell you that you're doing a good job? Do you need for your customers or clients to leave good reviews? Like, do you need appreciation and encouragement and to be built up? Do you need someone to look at you and kind of pat you on the back and say, yes, you are doing a good job? Do you need that? 
That's a little insight into to fear of man. Are you constantly second-guessing yourself based on what other people will think of you? Like, not what you think and not what you want to do, but if I do this or if I say yes or if I say no or if I show up or if I don't show up, well, what are people going to think? Will they still like me? Will they think I'm weird? Will they treat me as an outcast? Have you ever been afraid? Here's one for you as a follower of Jesus. Have you ever been afraid to share your faith because you're scared of what someone may say to you? They might label you as narrow-minded or maybe they ask you a question and you won't know the answer to it and that'll make you feel bad. It'll make you feel like you're not smart enough or it'll make you feel like you got outsmarted and, and it makes you feel uncomfortable maybe. So instead of being bold with your faith, you're like, uh, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to get in trouble at work. I don't want anybody not to like me anymore. And so I think I'll just be quiet. Do you diet or work out at the gym? Not because you want to be healthy, but because you want to look good. And you want people to tell you how good you look. And you want people to notice how big your arms are. That's why I wear these baggy tees. I don't want y'all to be distracted by my workout. But some people, they want to be thin or be muscular or go to the gym, not, not because they want to live a long time and be healthy, but it's because when you walk into the room, you want people to look at you and be like, ooh, they look good. Look, he's been working out. Man, that girl is, is putting in the time. She is getting it, getting it done. Is that you? That's, that would be fear of man. Are you willing to give your boss or your business or your work a lot of time are you willing to pick up even if it's after hours? Maybe it's even on the weekends. Even if your boss calls and says, like, I know you go to church on Sunday, but listen, like, I really need for you to do this. Can you come in on Sunday? And you will say yes. You will put pause on your family time, on time with your spouse, on time with God, because, because you don't want to let anybody down. You're afraid that you'll lose a customer or lose a dollar and you're willing to sacrifice everything else just to appease that client base or appease those people around you. If you struggle with the fear of man, your worst nightmare is to find out that someone doesn't like you or is not okay with you. Like that would just bother you. Like if there's a room full of people and somebody said, you know that girl right there, I just do not like that girl. For some of you, that would bother you. You would have to go up to that person and say, well, why not? Did I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Why can't we get along? Why can't we be good friends? I like you. I'm a nice person. You don't like me because you don't know me yet. <laughs> Do you struggle with that? Some people show that they have a fear of man based on uh, their social media, right? You ever met people that they only post on social media the highlight reel? They only want to post what's the best pictures at the best angles and the best filters because they want, if they're a parent, they want you to think that they have the perfect family. And your kids are always that perfectly dressed and perfectly neat and perfectly obedient. They want you to think that all of the meals that you eat are at very nice restaurants. And so they'll post those nice meals for other people to see. Your vacations, they want you to think they live that life all the time. So we want to make sure that every little cool, neat thing that we do, we post it online. Because I want people to look at my life and say, wow, they're great. Wow, they're, they're blessed. Wow, they're fun. Wow, they're a great parent. Wow, they're a hard worker. Wow, they're successful. Wow, they're a great planner and a great mom and a great leader and a great employee and a great boss. Why is it that deep down, come on, be honest, deep down, we really want people to like us. I mean, we really do. We live for the thumbs up and the hearts and the comments and the shares. 
the retweets. We live for the compliments. We live for people coming up behind us and patting us on the back and say, you know what? I'm proud of you. You know what? Great job. It's time you got some recognition for all the things that you've done and the hard work that you've put into it. We generally want people to like us. The Bible has a word for that, right? Here it is. It's called fear of man. Now, when I say fear of man, I'm not saying that you're afraid of man like you would be afraid of Gavin if you saw him in a back alley late at night. Fear is more like respect. It's honor. It's reverence. So what the Bible says is a lot of people in their mind, they have this fear of man. They have an honor and a respect and an awe for other people's opinions to be accepted, to be loved, to be embraced by people. Scripture actually has something to say about this in Proverbs 29. Uh, King Solomon, wisest man in the world, says this, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. I love that language because he says, when you get into this idea where you're trying to impress people and fit in and take the path of least resistance and have people embrace you, scripture says it's like a trap. You know, it's like a mouse trap. Like what you see, it looks good. And you think, man, if, if I could just have that, if I could just have their embrace, if I could just be popular, if my customers and clients would just love me and, and continue to support me, then I'll have everything that I need. And then scripture says, eventually it's like, and you're caught. And you don't even realize it, but you're, you're a slave to the people around you. Like you're always trying to impress them and always trying to go above and beyond. And there's this pressure to perform and, and put off this image that you have your life together. And it's all because we want to be successful. It's always because we want to be seen as successful and, and fitting in. Fear of man versus the fear of God. Which one do you have? If you're taking notes today, uh, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 1. And I want to give you three questions that honestly, all of you have already answered today. You may not realize that you have answered it, but I believe you answer it multiple times a day, every single day. So I want to get you to jot them down, wrestle with them, think about these as we open up the text and look at Exodus chapter 1 together. Three questions that will let you know, do you have a fear of man or do you have a fear of God in your life? Let me give you the background. The book of Genesis ends with God's people like on cloud nine. They're in a really good season. They're being led by this man named Joseph. And Joseph is best friends. He is the right-hand man with the Pharaoh. That's the king of Egypt, right? If you wanted to be prosperous and wanted to be successful, if you wanted to have some security, like you want to be best friends with the guy in charge. You want to be best friends with the king. And that's what happened. So here's what Pharaoh did. He invited all of God's people. He says, I want you to come to Egypt. I want you to make your home here. Like as long as I'm the Pharaoh, you're going to be safe. You're going to be loved. Joseph's my right-hand man. He has helped me so much. He has blessed us so much because he's listened to God and told us what to do. And, and that's where the book of Genesis ends, man. We're on cloud nine. The, the people of God are, are living the dream, really enjoying it. But that did not last very long. Because in the first seven verses of the book of Exodus, we learn that eventually of old age, Joseph dies. The one that had the connection with the Pharaoh. And then on top of that, the Pharaoh dies. And the next Pharaoh was nothing like the first Pharaoh. And there's no Joseph there to remind the Pharaoh of how many great things the people of God have done to help them. And so in verse 8, that's where we pick up the story. He says, eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now, now outnumber us. 
and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. See, this new king saw all of God's people as a threat. He's like, look at all these people, man. They're like, they're like rabbits out here, man. Like they're, they're multiplying like crazy. These, this people group is growing. Scripture says God was blessing them, uh, honoring the promise that he gave to Abraham to make him a great nation. And he took that as a threat. He said, what happens, man, if the country gets invaded? And all of these Israelites, what if they join the invaders? They're going to sweep us out. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill all of you. Like, we got to do something, man. There are too many of these godly people in this country right now. We have got to buckle down. It's just too much of a risk. So we have to get these people under control. So here was his game plan, verse 11. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king. The Pharaoh decided, well, here, here's how we're going to take care of it. We're going to put them all in chains. We're going to force them to work. I mean, hard work, manual labor, building cities from the ground up. I'm not talking about uh, having machinery and cranes. I'm talking about by hand. We're going to build entire cities by forcing them to do what we tell them to do. And they're going to work 16, 18 hour days in the middle of Egypt in the summer. That's hot. But he didn't care. He's like, that's how we're going to show them who's in control. That's how we're going to push them down. That's how we're going to stop this growth. That's how we're going to make sure that they don't become even more numerous and more powerful than they already are. Verse 12, it says, but the, the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. And the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all of the demands. Plan kind of backfired, right? Because scripture says, even though these, these men were working 16, 18 hours a day in the hot sun all day long, in a roundabout way, scripture says they still found the energy to go home and do what married couples do. And so the Pharaoh said, we're not working them hard enough. If you got energy to go home and do that, then you got energy to work a few more hours in the day. It sounds like we need to raise the quota a little bit. It sounds like we need to take an 18-hour day and turn it into a 20-hour day. Because if you got time to have all this recreational activity with your spouse, then you got time to do some more work for me. And scripture says they drove them all in this hopes that they would wear them down so much, like oppress them so much, put them underneath their thumbs so much that the only thing they did was work for the Pharaoh. But scripture says God continued to bless them. No matter what they did, no matter how much work they did, they kept growing, they kept getting stronger, their families kept expanding. And that really alarmed the Pharaoh. So Pharaoh said, we got, it's, it's time for plan B. It's time for plan B. Here, here's the plan. Here's how we're going to slow this down. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, verse 15, gave the, this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua. Midwives are like people that would work in the delivery room today. Right, these are the women. These, they were over the team that delivered all of the babies for all of the Israelite people. He says, here's the deal. Here's what you're going to do. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. 
If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives, circle this, underline it, highlight it, start, because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders and they allowed the boys to live too. This is the moment in the story where a narrative thousands of years ago in history actually collides with where our world is right now. This is the moment in Exodus where 2021 meets 2021 BC. Here's the first thing on, on, on our question to ask is this. Three questions. I want you to jot this down. Do you have a fear of man or a fear of God? Here's the first one. Ready? Whose words matter to you? In your life today, whose words matter to you? In this story, you have a king on one side, a pagan, a man that does not know, does not follow God. And he has words that says, any baby boy that is born, you are to kill them on the spot. On the other side, you have a God that reveres life and honors life and wants to bless the Hebrew people. And stuck in the middle are two women that run the, the birth and delivery room for the entire country. And they are stuck asking themselves the questions, whose words matter the most? Is it the king or is it God? Now, we don't have a king in America. We don't have a Pharaoh that, that tells us what we can and can't do. Um, but there are some things that, that relate to us in this story, some connections that are pretty obvious. Because in the world that we live in, there are many times where culture is shouting one thing and it goes directly against something that God has written in his book. At that moment, whose words matter to you? Whose words matter the most? It, it could be words about life. It could be words about death. It could be words about relationships, about, about marriage, about sexuality, about culture. It could even be a word about what the difference is between right and wrong, whether truth actually exists or not. And if truth is real, where is ultimate truth? Where do you find it? Is it just whatever you believe is good for you? And if it's good for you, then it's good for me. And you believe what you want to believe and I believe what I believe. Or is it, hey, there's actually this one guy that came along and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Which one is it? What happens when God's voice, whether it's in the Old Testament, uh, whether it's the teachings of Jesus, whether it's uh, in the book of Proverbs, where the smartest man that ever lived, King Solomon, gives us some wisdom, or maybe it's the writings of Paul later on in the New Testament. What happens when there's a clear message written in Scripture, but then over here you have a culture that is yelling at you? the exact opposite thing. And those yelling, like it's not just like don't get your feelings hurt. Those yells come with some consequences. Sometimes culture will use those words and they will threaten you. If you don't believe and get on board with what I'm telling you is true, there will be consequences. There will be threats that they will leverage. Sometimes there'll be harsh words and hateful words if you don't think and believe the same thing that I do. Sometimes it's condescending words. And in that moment, you will be forced to answer the question, whose words matter to you? Whose words are most important? These, this king looked at these women. Imagine how intimidating this would have been. This king brought these two women into him, closed the doors. He's like, all right, girls, here's the deal. You're going to go in, and if a baby boy is born, I want you to slit their throat on the spot. Now, if it's a girl, let them live. We can make the girls our slaves. 
We can do whatever we want to with the girls. But the last thing we need is a bunch of men that can join an army and overtake us. Got it? But listen, girls, listen, listen, listen. If you do what I tell you, there's gonna be great rewards. You do what I tell you, you'll be in the in crowd. You do what I tell you and you'll be accepted by everyone in the kingdom. But girls, can I remind you of something? If, if you don't do what I tell you to do, there'll be consequences. You don't want consequences, do you? There's gonna be some things that may or may not happen to you. You don't wanna be a social outcast, do you? You, you don't wanna be swimming upstream, do you? Like you don't wanna disagree with what I say is right or what I think is the good thing to do, do you? And in that moment, those girls had the choice. Fear of man or fear of God. And verse 17 tells us exactly what they did. They feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. If it comes down to listening to what you say, Pharaoh, or listening to what God says, we are gonna choose God. What about you? Every day we answer the question, whose words matter the most? Whether you realize it or not, you've already answered that today. And so when, when Pharaoh heard that these new babies were still being born, like he's getting the birth certificates are coming in and boy, 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 girl, boy, boy. He's like, what's, what's going on? I told you guys. So he brought the two midwives back in. Say, hey, you got a meeting with the boss. Hey, Pharaoh wants to talk to you because of all these birth certificates that are coming in for the boys that he told you to, to slaughter. And in verse 18, it says, so the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? It's like a combination from Pharaoh. He's mad at them, but he's also disappointed in them. Like, you didn't do what I told you to do. He's disapproving of them. Like, I do not approve of the decision that you make. And it brings me to the next question that you and I have already answered today, but I want to get you to write it down. It's number two, whose applause matters to you? Number one, whose words matter to you the most? Number two, whose applause matters to you? Whose acceptance are you chasing? Who is that person or that entity or that organization where above all, man, if I could get recognition from them, if I could get a pat on the back from them, if I could get their show of support, if I could just get them to look at me and say, I'm proud of you. Well done. You met your goal. You accomplished it. You, you crossed the finish line. Who is that for you? Whose applause are you chasing? Because I know some people that will say, I want to be known as a hard worker and therefore I'll just become a slave to my job and turn my back on everything else. I know moms and dads that say, I want to be known as a great parent. So that's why I post all the stuff online that I do, just so that people will like it and comment and I want the applause. I know people that uh, will say, I want to be known as successful and that's why I bought that car that I can't afford and brought on debt that I really couldn't handle because I want people to see the neighborhood that I live in and the car that I drive and the house and the clothes that I wear. And I want them to be like, wow, nice. Business must be doing good, right? Woo, climbing the ladder. I hear you. Powerful man, powerful lady running in on that car. Really? Man, congratulations. You've made it. Yeah, this is great. What a great accomplishment. These women had a choice to make. Either we are going to rearrange our lives, we are going to change our values, and we are going to compromise our character so that the Pharaoh will give me a pat on the back. Or, or, I'm going to make a decision now because the applause that matters to me the most is from God. 
the applause that I want to hear in my life is what scripture says. When I die, I stand in front of God one day and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. You did exactly what I told you to do. You obeyed me the whole way. And when, when I put that purpose on your life, you embraced it and you did it and, and you forsake the, the applause of all of other. You could have done a million other things on earth, but you focused on what I called you to do and you focused on my word because my words mattered. And hey, proud of you. Whose applause are you chasing? Who do you want to be proud of you? Who are you trying to impress? These women desired godly recognition more than they desired the accolades of man. Is that you? Now to give you an idea on whether or not you have a fear of man or a real fear of God in your life. Here's how the, woman, uh, the women responded. Of course, they're, they're women. They think on their feet. They're smart. They're fast. Uh, the Hebrew women, verse 19, are not like the Egyptian women, Pharaoh. The midwives replied, they are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. <laughs> Why are all the boys being born? It's like, man, these girls, look, don't tell, if, if, when they tell their husband it's time to go to the doctor, it, like hospital, it's time. There's no false alarms with these women. Now, some commentators will say, hey, it kind of sounds like these women lied. Like, did they just lie to the Pharaoh? Like, isn't it weird that like they lied, but these are supposed to be godly women? And I don't, I don't think they lied at all because the verse later says how God was so proud of them and blessed them for it. And God's not gonna bless you and be proud of you if you're living a lie. So, so it, maybe this is exactly what happened. Maybe the way that God was blessing them is like, you, you know, you have some moms that they, ch- they check into the hospital and, and like their, their labor and delivery is like, we, we're, we're here for days now. I begged Elizabeth not to give me a false alarm. Like, don't make me drive you up to the hospital and check in. And then we're here for like seven hours, eight hours, 24 hours, 48 hours. But then, you know, some parents, you get in there and, and I've heard stories of babies being born and the, the baby was born like literally 30 minutes after they got to the hospital. That would have given me a panic attack. Like that is too close, girls. Like give me a little bit more time than that. We don't know what the story is. Maybe the Hebrew women caught on to it and they didn't call the midwives until after the baby was already born. Maybe the Hebrew midwives said, I don't want to kill this baby. So when I get notification that the baby is being born, I think I'm going to stop by Starbucks on my way in just to burn a little bit of time. And then I walk in the door and I'm like, oh, okay, baby's already born. You already got him swaddled up and got a name on him. Okay, well, I guess I was just too late. We don't know what happened. But scripture says they just, sorry, Pharaoh. And these, these girls are all stars. Like these are professional birthers here. They, they just get them kids out and they're back to work the next day. I can't explain it. Sorry, I don't understand it. Last two verses will give us the last question that we have to wrestle with. So God was good to the midwives and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Third question is this whose words matter to you, whose applause matters to you. Number three, whose blessing matters to you. It was actually kind of a bit of a curse to be a midwife in the Old Testament because the job of being a midwife was given to women that were unable to have kids on their own. 
And these women wanted kids. They wanted children so badly in their family, but for some reason, biologically, or something was going on. And after a season where they just realized this woman was not gonna be able to have a child, just kind of out of grace, they would say, well, well, you can help be around all of the mothers that are having kids and you can hold the babies when they're first born and, and, and change their diapers and take care of the moms. And like that, I'd just be kind of your nod since you can't be a mom, that's, that's the position that we'll give for you. But in actuality, it was, it was a curse for them to have to be a midwife. And did you see what God did? Instead of fearing man, they chose to fear God. And scripture says, and God blessed them and turned their impossible situation into a family. Whose approval are you going after? Whose applause? And finally, whose blessing? Because, you know, you can work hard and, and, and do all these things in life. And, and maybe you get the blessing of your boss. Maybe you get the blessing of, of a, a friend patting you on the back. Maybe you get the blessing of acceptance. But let me ask you this. Do, do you really want that instead of what God can give you? Are you really going to forfeit what God wants for your life and what God has in store for you and how the God and creator of the universe can bless you? Do you want to give that up for some cheapened version of a blessing that you can get in the world? Think about what these women would have missed out on. The thing that they desired the most, a family of their own, if they would have listened to Pharaoh instead of listening to God, if they'd had a fear of man instead of a fear of God, then their whole life would have been different. Whose words matter, whose applause matter, and whose blessing matters the most to you? Growing up, uh, my dad uh, would, would tell me things. Oftentimes, I, I, I look back on my childhood and I realize my parents might have been a little bit more strict than some other neighborhood parents. I can remember growing up and uh, some of the older kids in the neighborhood, their parents let them ride their bikes like far away. Like they, they could ride them in other neighborhoods. We, we had like a Sonic like two miles away from my house. Their parents let them ride their bikes to the Sonic and get a slushie and then ride back. Now, granted, you had to cross like five major highways to get there, but still, their parents were letting them do it. And I just couldn't figure out why my dad wouldn't let me play in the road. And so I came up to my dad and said, Dad, you know, Clark crossed the street from me. His dad's letting him ride his bike to Sonic. I don't understand why you won't let me cross the road. I don't understand why, like I can't cut across the interstate right there at the bottom of the hill. You know, everybody can see me, right? And he told me this. He said, there's this phrase that he used to use. He'd say, trust me on this. Anytime my dad wanted to tell me something that, he, that, that I needed to get, he'd say, trust me. Start it with, trust me. Nathan, you don't want to play in the road. You don't want to get caught out there in, in the road going to Sonic and fall or get hurt or somebody not see. Trust me, Nathan, you don't want to ride your bike in the middle of the road. Wait till you get a little bit older. I can remember going to high school and there'd be one of my friends and they'd be having a party and uh, their parents weren't in town. So, like, what could go wrong, right? <laughs> so I tell my dad, like, hey dad, got some friends having a party. Where's it at? It's at their house. Who's going to be there? Not their parents, right? <laughs> Just gonna be us, us students. It's gonna be great. And uh, he'd say, Nathan, trust me on this. That group of friends, what they're gonna do that night, that's gonna hurt you in the long run. And there'd be certain groups of people in high school that my dad would identify and he'd be like, Nathan, trust me on this one. You don't wanna go where they're going. Trust me on that, Nathan, that doesn't end well. Trust me, Nathan, you don't wanna hang out with that group of people. And my dad saved me from those things. I remember when I went to college and uh, kind of got some freedom, I'd go to the mall standing in line at like American Eagle or one of these clothing shops and there's a, a nice sales associate at the counter. I'm getting ready to check out and the sales associate looks at me and she says, did you know 
that if you sign up for the American Eagle credit card, you can get 25% off your purchase today. And I said, well, that sounds fantastic. I'd like to have 25% of off of all of the purchases that I make. So I called my dad. I was like, dad, you're not going to believe this. Found a way to save some money. I said, I'm going to be able to get 25% off of all of the clothes that I buy if I sign up for this credit card. And he said, Nathan, trust me, you don't want to do that. Trust me, Nathan, you don't want to spend more money than you make. Trust me, Nathan, you don't want to get roped into a credit card and having payments that you can't afford just because you wanted nice clothes at 25% off. Trust me, Nathan, you need to learn how to manage your money. Trust me, Nathan, you need to learn how to save. You need to learn how to spend. You need to make sure you don't get in trouble with debt. And you don't need a credit card, Nathan. Trust me, you do not need a credit card. I'm telling you, my dad saved me from so many things in my life with those two words. He looked at me and said, Nathan, trust me. Did you know today that you have a heavenly father that looks at you and says, hey, trust me. I know what the future holds. I know the plan that I have for you. I know where this road ends. That thing you're chasing, it's like a trap. It looks good on the outside, but it will snap and you will realize the thing that you wanted was freedom and the only thing you have now is slavery. Would you be willing to look at your heavenly father when he looks at you and says, trust me, you don't want to do that. Trust me, you don't want to have a fear of man. Trust me, you don't want to spend your life doing that. You don't want to chase that. Look, trust me. God's word is here for us today and it's an invitation to trust him. Trust your father that knows what is good for you, that loves you, that has a plan for you. Even when culture says spend, even when culture says go, even when culture says do this and be this and chase this and buy this and look for this acceptance and don't you want to be a part of the in crowd and you don't want those consequences, do you? You have a heavenly father that says, trust me, I got this. You listen to me, you listen to my words, you seek the approval of God and you lean into the blessings of God and you're gonna have a life that is beyond anything you could ever imagine. Would you do that today? Who are you gonna have? You're gonna have a fear of God or you're gonna have a fear of man? Can I pray for you? Timeless truths, God. It's amazing to see the truths just jump off the page in this passage. The ways that you provided, the ways that you corrected, the ways that you straightened, the ways that you helped your people then and the truth still ring true today. God, I pray that today we would have the wisdom and the discernment to know what to do with the words that we just heard. That we would have a fear of God more than a fear of man. That the words that we read in your book would loom large over the words that we hear other people say that the message of culture would be drowned out by the message that you have put in our heart and in our soul. God, I pray that our ultimate goal would be to stand in front of you one day, not for the applause of men, but to hear you look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. God, I pray that would be a reality, an urgency, a desire of our heart today. Ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at